0: You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins scheming madmen and plenty of unexpected chills now you can get dr cushing's chamber of horrors in print or for kindle at amazon.com and other fine retailers coming soon in other ebook formats find out more at cushinghorrors.com or sdsullivan.com and support steve's work through patreon at paysteve.com. i do hope you've enjoyed your visit Please come again, and remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Hey, everyone. Wow, that took forever to set up. I normally don't like to get into the meat and potatoes or how the sausage is made, but it just took 37 minutes for me to set up all the recording equipment and get everything to work. Dave was so patient. Dave, thank you so much. Everybody, Farmer Dave, welcome to Radio 3 Oleander. How are you doing?
1: I am well. Nice. Yeah, so no, that's okay. Goats teach you patience.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so.
1: That and walking in the pasture taught me patience this week. <laughs> it was all
0: iced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, I shoveled quite a bit of sidewalk around the uh, graveyard and uh, Oleander Manor or Oleander Mansion. I don't know. There was snow on the sign, and I never look at it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, so we we and most of America yeah. are got cold this week.
0: Yeah, yeah, got got a little chilly and got a little chilly. Good thing we had those three snow plows that I was talking about two three yeah. weeks back.
1: <laughs> that that is true. I you, have never seen you know uh, Quantrell Road be plowed so quickly. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And I was uh, checking in, in the news, and in Portland, they're not even going to plow the side streets. So, good thing I'm not some dummy who lives uh, on a side street in Portland, IRL. I am some dummy who lives on a side street in Portland.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was, um, you know, I was just checking because we checked the the, the the weather, and I uh-huh. have my computer set up to say, you know, where the bad weather is, and it basically said. Let me save you time. Let me tell you where there's good weather. Uh huh. Uh huh. San Diego, California, and <laughs> Key West, Florida. Everything else froze. Oh wow! Especially, but that's okay. You know. Yeah. yeah. So we, we put little goat coats on the goats, and we keep them in their little their little shelter. So they they were fine. They were nice. They were not happy. Yeah. Yeah. They were. They were fine.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's good that everyone is safe and good, and it seems like everyone in Oleander's doing well, staying inside. I mean, you know, before everyone was staying inside for the most part. <laughs> and,
1: uh, yeah. Uh, you know, th- you know, it got cold out there uh, because Lumberjack, who, who works at uh, Speedos, uh-huh. for those who maybe don't listen, but this is our little coffee kiosk, <laughs> and where. You know, they have in Portland and in uh, Seattle, they have bikini uh, coffee uh, places. We have Speedos where this huge, giant, bearded lumberjack uh, hands out coffee. uh, uh, And he just wears Speedos. But he he was wearing a fur hat and
0: Speedos. So you
1: know that it was cold if if he had to put on a hat.
0: Yeah, no, fur Speedos. I didn't know they made them. Crazy stuff. But, you know, yeah. probably probably the yeah. best best place to get coffee in town. That's, you know, including all of the, uh, the fine restaurants in Oleander, Oregon. But, you know, all the gentlemen that work at Speedo's are classically trained baristas. You can, or baristos, I should say. Um, yeah, no, no, I mean, uh, yeah, Speedo's. So, hey, everyone, stop by Speedo's, and if you mention Radio Free Oleander, get 15% off your next mocha or espresso or americano i love their americanos they're so good and they say leave room so, for cream and i say just leave room for my face because i'm gonna down that thing way too fast and burn my mouth
1: so i don't drink coffee mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if i order a moco espresso americana do i get 45 percent off
0: Ooh, i don't think so i think it's a, an or either or kind uh-uh. of thing yeah.
1: Okay. Still sounds like a great deal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, it's 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 the best deal in Oleander. So hey. All right. Um, now, that's...
1: did you notice though that there was one place in town where there was no snow?
0: <sighs> yeah. 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 Well, I was out shoveling. Uh, I, I yeah. did. I did notice that 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 one hotel there was uh, no snow. Oh, the so... Red
1: Hen. Yeah. Red yeah. Red Hen Hotel. Yeah. It was just like. It's like you know, the, the, you see these, like movies, and the clouds open up, and the sun shine down. It mm-hmm. was all green grass, and you walked in there, and it was like goes from thirty degrees to seventy. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't think it's a coincidence. Oh, okay. That that's where the men in black are staying. Oh, I, in case yeah, in case your audience or audience if you have heard before. Well, yeah, we seem to be inundated by men in black.
0: Yeah, the oatmeal eaters. We don't have any oatmeal in town anymore because of them.
1: Yes. And you know who you may have noticed is missing? Hmm. Minion. Yeah? Haven't seen Minion for a couple days.
2: Good riddance. So the
1: story is that the women in black Mm -hmm. were eating their oatmeal, and he went to bother them. and has not been seen since. Well... So it is either his fondest dream or his worst nightmare.
0: Yeah, all all I got to say is if there's people doing something, it's, you know, if if there's women sitting around, it's it's not an invitation for you to go and say hey. It's mind your own business. Stick to your guns and don't be a wiener. That's that's all I got to say. Uh Oleander Chamber Comprats. Uh don't be a creep, minion. Yeah, the,
1: you know, we got over <laughs> I, I got a uh, PSA. Uh-huh. Uh, That says, you know, uh, if you come across uh, one of the uh, uh, men in black, Mm -hmm. don't make eye contact, even if they have eyes, don't maintain (laughs) eye
0: contact. I mean, I've watched enough X-Files, seen the movie, uh, read enough books that uh, MIBs are bad news. If you start seeing Black Choppers, and, uh, I don't know, people who could be federales but don't have any sort of uh, discernible uh, credentials on them, uh, I don't know. I don't know, because it's not like everybody can just get a hold of uh, Black Silent hell. Oh yeah, yeah, they don't make sounds. That's kind of... At first, I thought it was uh, like the windstorms and stuff like that that we weren't hearing them, and then it's just like, "Oh no, no, they're just real quiet choppers." Hueys. Do you know
1: how? Do you know how creepy it is? Uh, it's so creepy that when I see them, I start going woo, 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 just to make it sound like I sound the, hear the helicopter so I don't go crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, the helicopters. Uh, they, they, they were they were uh over by the uh, graveyard the other night the cemetery and i've I've, I've seen them uh yeah yeah no and uh, I just I mean if they're looking for something I hope they find it if they're just they're just sweating us trying to find out what we know oh man I hope they they're probably listening to this right now
1: you know what you know and I saw them and it's almost like they were playing tag yeah like they were bored like the helicopters would start flying around and they have the huge old light when they flashed one with the huge light
0: mm-hmm.
1: it had to stay like it's like literally it's like they're playing freeze tag
0: are they playing flashlight tag or is that also freeze tag is um, that a form it, of freeze was- tag
1: Free, freeze tag well freeze tag is when you touch them I guess so okay. flashlight tag is probably more accurate but yeah when you, when you tag someone and then they have to stay in position Yeah. so it's like when they got one of the other helicopters and flash it, it just had to fly there and took out all the others hmm. so I don't know if it's a training op or uh, I don't know maybe it's a team building exercise for men in black
0: and you know what I was really 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 positive they were here for the uh, the, the goats the uh, angora or uh is that right? Angora? Angola. Angora. Angora. Angora, yeah. Okay, so they were here for the Angoras, what I thought, and then I realized no, no they're not, because we have so many goats we don't know what to do with. And they don't seem to be interested in the Angoras at all, or their uh, dehydrated properties, or their more and more different properties that we're finding out. Um, we now have uh, several green goats, which um, I don't know if you're uh, responsible for pouring Mountain Dew on multiple goats, Dave?
1: I was the first one. Yeah, I well, poured Mountain Dew on the first goat, and it, or the the little proto-goat, and it turned in, so it's like this little sort of white Brillo pad, and I poured Mountain Dew on it, and it became a, a green goat.
0: Yep, yep. Well... There's Greeny that you have up there, and then we have Code Red and um, some blue Mountain Dew goat. I, I don't remember what it is called. What? What? Uh, I don't know. But yeah.
1: Ba- we'll get we'll get Baja Blast.
0: Baja Blast. That that might have been that might have been. Baha it was like a blue blast. green color. Baja Blast. <laughs> that was my good invitation. Yeah. No. And
1: the, f- oh, I'm now, sorry. Now I feel like. I'm the leader of the bad boys Because I'm the first one that poured Mountain Dew on the, the goats
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, and I thought we were done with the goats um, Me and the kids were playing Goat Simulator on PS4 Which I don't know if you're familiar with the game But you run around as a goat Causing as much mayhem as possible and, uh, so be- you're a goat. Yeah, yeah, no, no. They're like, shouldn't this be called Crazy Goat Simulator? And I'm like, what do you do? And they're like, oh, we try and get up as high as we can and cause as much mischief. I'm like, that's goats. I'm like, that's we goats. can we can go to uh, we can go to the goat farm. And they're like, we don't want to go to the goat farm. We want to stay inside where it's warm and play PS4 and watch lilo and stitch again i'm like okay fine whatever i'll go shovel anyway so i thought that they were just playing goat simulator really loud and i walk in the front room and i'm like hey turn it down and they're like oh no no that's that's the front yard so i walk around our our little tiny uh, cottage that used to be the uh, crematorium and uh i don't know how i didn't see this but there was so many goats And there was goats on top of goats. I didn't know goats could stand on top of goats. I didn't know goats would stand for other goats standing on top of them.
1: They usually don't. But if they can, if they will, then definitely the other goats will stand on top of them.
0: Because there was a really, really, really big goat. And then on top of its back, there was a smaller goat. And on top of that goat was a much smaller goat.
1: So, so my understanding, and I haven't seen this, but I heard when I was at A1 Taxidermy, which is actually our, our supermarket, mm-hmm. that, that these little goats. So people maybe didn't listen to us the last couple of weeks, but yeah, these these sort of like Brillo pad things happen. And if you put water or Mountain Dew, or they, they, they turn into goats.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then my understanding is, if they snows on, on these goats. And that's why I have them all underground. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like little tiny goats, like tribbles, come out.
0: Yeah, or gremlins.
1: Yes. Yeah, so well, i Yeah. So you probably don't want to put. I mean, it's a bad idea, to put Mountain Dew on one of those little tiny goats. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a bad idea, David. No, no, no. It's a bad idea. I, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm having a conversation with myself. Yeah. No, it would. It's. It's. It's a. It's okay. Hey, oh, oh! Can you hear that?
0: I heard I'm something. Ju-
1: just, oh, nothing, nothing. I'm, I'm just walking over to the refrigerator.
0: Dave, don't pour any more. Get Mountain Dew on goats.
1: I'm not on goats. Not on full-sized goats. Okay. 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 But yeah. So, so yeah, maybe if you put Mountain Dew on them, they be- become they. I uh, become gremlins. Huh.
0: I have a feeling we're going to have to take a bunch of green goats to uh a town that we've taken a plant
1: <laughs> Have, you ever, have you ever like wondered if mountain dew would pour it on a little tiny miniature two inch three inch goat would turn them into a gremlin and not been able to sleep until you know
0: nope. Well, I have a feeling we'll be talking about this next week. But you know what we need to talk about now, Dave?
1: We need to talk with one of our friends of the show. Yeah. Derek M. Cook. Yeah,
0: yeah. We're going to be talking to Derek. Well, I'm not. You are. What what are you talking to Derek about this week?
1: So Derek is working. uh, He's most known for his uh, um, Monster Kid Radio uh, podcast. Sure. But he is a long life uh, role playing uh, role
0: playing gamer. I did not uh, know that.
1: Yeah, and you know he um, ever since you know in high school, mm-hmm. and he's got a YouTube channel about they publish about once a month or something. But he has got a new supplement that's coming out for Five E D and D called Harsh Kingdom. Ooh. Not Harsh Realm, not the Dutch comic book, uh-huh. but Harsh Kingdom. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about it, and uh, he and I are going to play a little, uh, not a game of D&D, but a game about D&D.
0: Quick thing, uh, quick, quick interruption. This is me talking about um, Harsh Realm. Do you know where okay. the term Harsh Realm comes from?
1: Uh, I know it was a comic book, and then it became... Uh, like a a TV show by the creator of X-Files that only went like five episodes, but where does it come from?
0: Okay, so in, I think it was 92, 93, maybe 91, uh, New York Times or, I'm trying to remember if it was New York Times or the Washington Post, but it was one of these uh, newspapers. Uh, Might have even been a magazine. Called up Sub Pop Records and talked to the receptionist and asked, Hey, what are some uh, slang terms that grungers are using? And she's like, Oh, slang terms that grungers are using. Okay, you know how hippies said bummer? Well, we say harsh realm. And like just made up all of these things that people so, use. So I, I, I heard of that.
1: that yeah. I heard that they that they called hoodies caterpillars and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I
2: hadn't
0: heard that the Harsh Realm was... Yeah, Harsh Realm was uh, in place of bummer. Yeah, I, I used oh. to remember a whole bunch of them, because my friends and I, you know, Pacific Northwest in the 90s, that's when I was in high school, early 90s, uh, like, my senior year, like, as I came back from spring break, and, you know, people were like, oh, hey, Kurt Cobain shot himself, and I'm like, oh, shit. Anyway, <laughs> um... But yeah, no. We used to uh, say the various like various things. Be like, oh, um, oh man, I'm trying to remember. There was a whole bunch of them. But Harsh Realm is the one that always. Uh, anytime I hear Harsh Realm, I'm like, oh, that's fake for bummer. That's fake grunge for bummer. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna so say everything's Harsh Realm now. Harsh Realm. <laughs> It was also a really good TV show that yeah. only went like seven episodes. Yeah,
0: that's what I, that's what I, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. And I remember when that came out, my friends and I thought it was hilarious. And I'm like, man, that's harsh realm that it only lasted so long. Yeah. <laughs> so Derek M. Cook, Monster Kid himself. All right, let's go with that. And then after the break, we're going to be talking about some uh, Dungeons and Dragons weaponry of a specific nature. A uh, little bit do with Valentine's Day so hey we'll figure that out after
1: the break yeah I'm excited I thought you were Dave where'd I put my mountain deer
0: prepare for a spine-tingling nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters you won't believe your ears when you listen to monster kid radio You're your host Derek M. Cook and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and
3: King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only
0: on Monster Kid Radio.
1: And welcome back to the Farmer Dave Show. And before we bring on our guests, we do have a public service announcement from the city of Oleander. You may have noticed that there are quite a few... Men in black in town for some unknown reason. The city council has advised not to make eye contact with the men in black, even if they do have eyes. That was from our city council. Now, we are very excited because we
3: have a guest, Derek M. Cook. Hey, how's it going, Farmer Dave? Well, I am well. In fact, we've had
1: many guests on the Farmer Dave Show, but you're the only one who's ever returned. So we're glad to have you for our second time.
3: Uh, what does that say about what's happened to all the other guests? Is there something I need to be worried about?
1: Did anything happen to you? If not, then no. <laughs> good, good. So, so uh, you know, I am sure that people who would listen to Radio Free Oleander know all about you but let's go ahead why don't you uh, introduce yourself
3: well uh like you said I've, I've been on the show before uh last time i was here i talked about the poetry of robert e howard with you and that was a lot of fun huge fan of robert e howard uh, but you know i think most people know me uh, as a podcaster for the past decade or so i've been producing various podcasts right now i'm running the monster kid radio podcast uh over 500 e- weekly episodes uh, for that show but there's so much more to me than just podcasting to go back to robert e howard i love my fantasy i love my sword and sorcery and lately i've been getting back into my love of role-playing games and dungeons and dragons so i think that's what we're going to be talking about today is is my D and D stuff is that right
1: Absolutely. And just on Radio Free, Oleander, this is Fantasy February, so it's perfect timing.
3: Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I drifted away from fantasy fiction for a long time, and I'm not really sure why that was. I just started going more toward like the classic monsters and classic horror. Well, you know, I needed some things in my life that made me happy, even more so than the monsters were doing, and... Boy, that sounds like the monsters weren't doing it for me, and don't tell the monsters I said that, because that's not what I'm saying. But, <laughs> you know, I used to love reading Sword and Sorcery and fantasy fiction and playing and role-playing games and that sort of thing, and I decided I need it back. And so I got back into it, and wow, I've just been having a blast rediscovering my fantasy roots. Started a YouTube channel and a gaming company, and you know, I have some plans for some publishing, and it's going to be a lot of fun
1: excellent and for people and we will have uh, uh, db will of course put down all sorts of of show notes but what is your gaming channel
3: dice monster dice i have to give huge props to fellow creative writer Game designer Stephen D. Sullivan for suggesting the name. I really wanted a gaming company name that evoked the spirit of the classic monster movies that I love so much. And I'm sure you know, Dave, that Boris Karloff was in a Lovecraft adaptation called Die Monster Die. Dice Monster Dice just seemed natural and it was his idea for the title and it just stuck. In fact, the logo that I use for the company uh, and the YouTube channel looks like it's the same font from the movie poster. Die monster die. I'm pretty proud of how it looks. I love the sound of it. It keeps the monsters in there, but you know we had the dice and now we got some gaming so just look up dice monster dice on YouTube and you'll find it. I do have dicemonsterdice.com as well so you can find it that way too.
1: Excellent. And spoiler, uh Steven D solden will be our guest next week.
3: Oh fantastic. Tell him I said hi.
1: Oh, well, we kind of already recorded that one, oh, so okay. if I could go back in time, <laughs> I would but but, oh, that's awesome as, as well as Monster Kid Radio is on uh, YouTube as well, correct?
3: Yeah, Monster Kid Radio does have a YouTube presence, you can just look up Monster Kid Radio uh, and monsterkidradio.net is the main hub for all things MKR on the internet.
1: Excellent so
3: what is
1: this new role-playing uh, project that you have?
3: So, when I was playing Dungeons & Dragons last, before I started to drift away from it and get out of it, my gaming group fell apart and you know I just ran out of time and I started filling every waking moment with podcasting so I didn't have time to keep playing and keep up with it. But back then, I started building a campaign setting, a homebrew world in my head. As a dungeon master, I always like to run homebrew settings. No disrespect to the realms or Eberron or Dragonlance, which, I mean, can't wait for the new Dragonlance novels to come out. Just, I love that stuff, but I always liked making my own homebrew setting. And back then, I started to formulate something, but put all that stuff down in a folder, packed it away when I started getting out of gaming. When I got back into it, I realized that gaming felt somehow more safe than it ever did before. And what I mean by that is that, and this is no disrespect, I'm glad that 5th edition is out there and it's bringing in so many new players and it's really kind of grown beyond the niche nerd circle that DD used to exist in. But I like my fantasy gritty. I like my fantasy sword and sorcery Robert E. Howard style. I want something that's a little bit more weird uh, with a capital w and so that's kind of why i decided to bring back this homebrew setting that i was working on years ago it's called the harsh kingdom harsh is spelled h-a-r-s-c-h kingdom Uh, there's a couple of different reasons for that one the kingdom the rum is well it's harsh it's a, a tough world to live in but harsh is also the last name of the king so it's the harsh kingdom and with this campaign setting i'm hoping to bring in a sense of danger and again that weird with a capital w to make magic truly magical because really how magic is magic if everybody's got it you know how how magic is magic if you know everybody who's above level 3 <laughs> as a player character can do something magical it becomes mundane at that point I want my magic to be magical. I want a sense of excitement when somebody does something crazy or intense or whatever. And I'm pretty excited about the Harsh Kingdom and and the conceits that we have in place to explain why this world can be a little bit more rough and tumble than your typical role-playing game setting. I actually was just working with my co-designer, Mike Marisitz, last night, and we came up with some really cool rules. Okay, let me take that back. He came up with some really cool rules cool. regarding uh, death saves would work, uh, You know, make it a little bit more dangerous in that regard, and I feel like that danger is going to translate to more adventure and more fun at the gaming table. Uh, to start the Harsh Kingdom Publishing thing, we decided to take part in Kickstarter's Zine to this year, and that's where the Harsh Tables Comes in. Harsh Tables Volume 1 will be the first official Harsh Kingdom supplement from Dice Monster Dice. Okay,
1: excellent. And, you know, so I have a quick question for you, and and if this is too much of a trade secret, is this going to maybe buff up your typical magic users? If they're not going to have magic as much, are they going to be maybe a little bit more combat oriented or?
3: Well, not necessarily. I mean, I'm not taking magic away and making it rare, but what I am doing is, well, I'll tell you, one of the things in the Harsh Tables supplement is a magic misfire table. In the Harsh Kingdoms, there are certain rules in place because there's a history of magic going wrong. So so magic isn't necessarily as encouraged as it would be in a typical D&D setting. There was an event that took place thousands of years ago referred to in the history books as the first cataclysm and it's called the first because there was in fact a second Uh, but it's called the first cataclysm it involves right Uh, (laughs) it involves devils and demons and the world almost being broken apart and because of these things that happened it wasn't necessarily a magic user's fault per se but it's believed that there was if there wasn't as many magic users involved perhaps the first cataclysm wouldn't have happened so because of that the kingdom does not necessarily allow magic to be used willy-nilly whenever it's, it's a lot more controlled all the spells are still there but it's easy to get carried away with it and because this world has had two cataclysms as a result of magic being used so much there are theres a the possibility of some magic misfires happening, some things happening. Uh, call it uh, a fumble when you're using a spell. Excel. you know something along those lines. But the harsh tables one of the big tables, and there will be a one hundred a one d one hundred chart of various magic effects that could go wrong, seriously wrong, depending on what you roll, every time you use magic in an area that probably shouldn't be using magic because, well, Some bad things already happened there once before. Uh, One of those options will, in fact, be triggering the third cataclysm, and that would be bad for everybody. (laughs) Oops.
1: (laughs) Hey, what did you roll? I rolled a 99,
3: Um, and the game master just walked away. (laughs) I guess the game's over. Oh, no, we can keep playing. How many hit die do you have? Okay. Uh, But no, I'm really looking forward to that because bringing the magic in and we are going to have some new magical classes as well. We're designing a few new player classes to go along with that. Some new spells, that sort of thing. One of the things about the Harsh Kingdom setting is that, well, let me ask you, David, when it comes to role playing games and like D&D and things like that, is there a branch of magic that is sometimes considered evil or, or frowned upon? Oh, you mean necromancy? Yeah, it's not so much a big deal in the Harsh Kingdom. Necromancy actually is not necessarily encouraged, but if there's a necromancer doing something, more than likely it's it's okay. It's for a good reason. Chronomancy, however, chronomancy is seriously frowned upon in the Harsh Kingdom because that's part of what led to the Second Cataclysm. So necromancers running around, you might see more of them. Anybody trying to do anything with time, lock those people up quick
1: so 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 in harsh realm or harsh kingdom excuse me they wouldn't let you cast the spell to go back in time to say hello to uh
3: steve (laughs) exactly okay so maybe so yeah probably not a good idea (laughs) So, so you're actually our second guest
1: this year that is part of zine quest and um maybe if if you could share maybe a little bit about what that is
3: I just found out about it about a week before we decided we were going to do it. A Kickstarter is a crowdfunding crowdfunding platform. I think a lot of people, I think everybody knows what Kickstarter is these days. Apparently, once a year, they do an event in the month of February called Zine Quest, where they encourage and highlight creators to create zines for role-playing game supplements. It's all RPG-specific. It doesn't have to be Dungeons & Dragons. It can be whatever you want. But D and D being the most popular role-playing game in the world, you know, most of it goes that way. And it's just uh, an initiative to promote independent creators getting involved in the gaming space. The idea is to create a zine, uh, a small book. single color, you know, so I guess it's technically two colors, so it can go black and white. I'm actually holding one in my hand from last year that I went ahead and picked up just so I knew what was going on with it, and it's in yellow and red. Uh, It's called The Insecuary, and it's really cool. But, yeah, just a little black and white Saddle Stitch book of role-playing game material, and I know some people are doing mini-games, some people are doing adventures, some people are doing, uh, you know, different classes or magic or whatever. While the Harsh Tables Volume 1 is specific for the Harsh Kingdom, we're also making it broad enough to where it is system agnostic. If you want to use it in your Dungeons & Dragons game set in Eberron or the Forgotten Realms or whatever, you can. If you want to use it in an OSR game or some other fantasy game, you can. It's not so specific to d d that you can't take advantage of it uh, if you'd rather play a different type of fantasy role-playing game. And that's what okay. Zine Plus 3 is. I mean, I, I think it's a really cool idea. I'm excited that Kickstarter is uh, doing something like this and supporting gaming in this way. And just really neat.
1: Excellent. And so um, we had uh, Scott Ullis on um, earlier this month, and he's doing one. It's um, called Beta Red, and it's basically cyberpunk, cyborgs, and psychics. Nice. Uh, so there's just, there's just this huge you can basically yeah whatever you can imagine uh and he's he's done basically a game system from scratch uh but you know a lot of them are for existing systems which is great um so yeah this just it's open to from what i understand this is the first year i've heard of it too it's pretty much open to everybody and everything and it's i guess it harkens back to the days back in you know the early 80s when you know a lot of these new games and new modules were you know guys putting them out on the back in the back of their you know uh their business or you know in their their den back when uh you know it was zines
3: yeah it's really neat i've been learning a lot about the history of the role-playing game and specifically dungeons and dragons lately there's a couple of Biographies out there about Gary Gygax. Oh, yeah. There's really good documentary about Dave Arneson that came out a little bit ago. Uh, and just learning about how D and D came together and how so many of the rules before it even became published were shared with people through newsletters that they would print up in the back of their parents' business on the mimeograph machine and just mail out. You know, Here, here's a rule system for this. Here's a rule system for that. It really does feel kind of old school, grassroots kind of gaming. And I love it
1: that's how their, their uh, chainmail was t- sent out i believe uh-huh. the, the yep. original that sort of grew into D.
3: exactly yeah now people
1: that are familiar with your show know that you have something called the classic five
3: w- what is that so the classic five i have a literal deck of cards uh don't know if you heard that i tried to shuffle the cards by the microphone yeah. but uh, this is a deck of cards that i've designed and have had printed up through drive Through cards which is part of drive through rpg who's going to be printing the harsh tables for us uh in each card has a this or that which movie do you prefer style question on them there's no wrong answers it's just like which movie do you like the tarantula or the deadly mantis and you just go around with whoever you're playing the game with and answer the question that was just one sample question uh what do you prefer hammer horror or hammer sci-fi it's just a way to get people talking call it an icebreaker or, or a way to kind of learn something more about somebody i try to do it on every episodes of mkr and i even bring the deck with me whenever i go to an event to cover them you know back when we used to get together in person um <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i would bring it along to those and, and try to do them and i believe we even did something almost like this when we spoke with Roger Corman at the Lovecraft Film Festival a couple years back. So yeah, it's just a fun time to chat about our favorite thing, you know, monster movies. Well, so here
1: we've de- developed a classic 5 D&D deck. So nice. I have and I only have five cards. Okay. So so here it is. No wrong answers. So are you ready for your first classic five
3: question? Hit me. I am ready. I've been looking forward to this. Elves or dwarves? Ooh, elves. elves. I like I like elves, and uh, not not that I have anything against dwarves, but I think, especially when it comes to D D, there are some really neat variants that come along with the elves, the sub-races, that I really like. One of my favorite player characters I've ever played was a ghost elf. And the ghost mm. elf was something that appeared in a Dragon magazine back uh, in the when it was still being published by Paizo yeah. Publishing. Uh, and I, I love the ghost elf so much. So, yeah, elves. Has, you know, no question.
1: So, I think up to about two or three years ago, if you had asked me this question, or if I had asked myself this question, I would have said elves. I love elves, especially half-elves.
3: Hey, hey, David! You got You can't go back in time to ask yourself this chronometry. No,
1: okay, I won't. I won't. <laughs> but if you ask me this question right now, as I realize that I'm kind of short and stocky and have a beard, I'm kind of, I'm kind of associating with dwarves, ah. and, and I really like the dwarves in Five Five E. And if somebody would, In the next D&D game I want to get in, I want to do a dwarf monk, but Mm. The, of of the drunken masters. You know, so he's making the beer, getting drunk and then beating people up.
3: That sounds like it'd be a lot of fun to play. It really does. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um so I'm tend to I used to be uh, on team elf, now I'm more on team dwarf. Okay, ready for number 2? Hit me, let's do it. What's your favorite D&D weapon?
3: Wow. Um
1: could be anything a magic weapon or regular weapon it's any any weapon
3: you know i feel like weapons are so specific to the kind of character that you're playing but there are two weapons when i think back to all the different kind of player characters i've had over the years that i've used repeatedly one is a whip (laughs) just because i think whips are cool but more often than not i usually find a way to get my character to use a scimitar. I think a scimitar. Uh, I'm playing in a game campaign right now where I've got a character, an Asimar, an Asamar, who uh, uses a scimitar and a whip. So, yeah, I love the scimitars, man.
1: Oh, especially since, you know, because the scimitar is a Middle Eastern weapon in reality, yeah, Mm -hmm. that just goes with someone who's part angelic. That that kind of meshes to me.
3: Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
1: So not violating the laws of time. Um, so in back in 3.5, my favorite weapon was the um, oh the footman's pick. And so oh. those of you who don't know that it's kind of like a hammer with this pointed little thing at the end. Vicious. And it was Yeah, but it, it it didn't do that much damage. I mean what, D8, but if you crit it, it did times four.
2: Yeah. And
1: and here's the thing, that's historically accurate. This was probably the most deadly general weapon on a battlefield, and one of the few things that a footman might puncture a knight's armor with. And so, you know, if you, you, you know, pounded on the armor, you might hurt him. But if you got that lucky shot, you know, or, you know, went through the armor, or you know, in the armpit where there was just leather or something, it did ter- this terrible amount of of damage and I think I really like the fact that they I mean not that things do damage but that they actually historically did the research found something and tried to try to make it replicate what was real life um, now I looked at them when I first got my 50 or my 5.0. I already think that that they're going to make a new version of and DD but my, my 5e uh, and, and footman Pick, it didn't really impress me much so with the new system i think it's the rapier i think the, the rapier is kind of the equalizer for bards and and rogues uh because you know you get the off the bonus off the dexterity uh, damage is good so I, th- I think rapier for for the new version
3: that and it's sexy as hell i mean that's awesome
1: yes it is
3: <laughs> that's why
1: i carry one when i go to the store
3: oh well you should I mean I wish I
1: had one yes now okay here's one for you and it's probably one that's hard to put one single answer all right favorite class
3: Ooh. boy okay um I'll give you two answers okay um there's a, a favorite class that I never got a chance to play, uh, and that is the Dread Necromancer from 3.5 from the Books of Horror. Okay. Uh, which I always wanted to play. I always wanted to play a Dread Necromancer, but you know I was getting out of gaming before I could really get into that, and I just my gaming group fell apart. And yeah, I just so you know if anybody's out there running a 3.5 game and they want a Dread Necromancer to show up, hook me up. <laughs> you know, hit me up, I'll I'll, I'll catch you. Uh, from modern 5e stuff. Um, I think the Cleric is pretty cool if you can get him attached to a decent or a cool you know, god. Um, I'm currently playing a Bard, and that's been a lot of fun. But I think the most fun I've ever had is playing a Paladin. So I'm going to go Paladin.
1: Okay. Excellent.
3: Excellent. Um,
1: way back, way, way back you know, when it was you know Advanced Dungeons & Dragons when Elf was a class. You know, you didn't, you weren't oh, Elf yeah. barbarians. I, I like playing Elves, and I liked playing Clerics, because I thought Clerics was this nice balance of spells and combat ability. In 5e, I like, and I know a lot of people, I like Monks. I think Monks are a good class. Um, oh, Were you, you going to comment on Monks?
3: Well, I was going to say, Monks are cool. Uh, I, I'm actually generating a character now that may get used in an upcoming game i'm participating in and uh, i'm building a, a minotaur monk and i just love oh. the idea of this big minotaur dude doing monk-like stuff sounds terrifying actually <laughs> yeah i'm looking but, but forward you, to giving him a shot <laughs> but you know what that
1: would work he, he, he has this be nature so he needs to try to control it by
3: meditation exactly exactly
1: and i would also say and i ran one when it was still sort of a a sub of 3.5 uh i like the warlock um what they've done and when in 3.5 it was basically a warlock with unlimited you know magic missiles but i I like what they do i like the pack i like that there's so many different things it's not just devils i mean they're definitely got a, a a a Cthulhu Mythos, you know, kind of vibe going with some of the packs. So I, I like Warlock.
3: I've never had a chance to play a Warlock, and I was actually talking about this in an an episode of the Untitled Generation X Nerd Show, which is a show that I do on the Dice Monster Dice YouTube channel. I've never played one. I've always felt like, as an outsider looking at somebody playing a, a Warlock, I always felt like, well, that's kind of overpowered. They can just do Eldritch Blast all the time, but. I've never played one, so I don't know. <laughs> you know I'd like and, to give him a shot. And,
1: and yeah, I w- uh, And I like I, li- I like the on the, um, three point five, the one the game that we kind of uh, put on the table because of, of COVID. The thing is, the guy who was a, he was a uh, celestial warlock, and he was he he, he was new. It's like a, his third game he'd ever played. In his first real campaign and so it really worked good for him as a, a balance of power and, and you know we were all friends and so you know he would ask other people for advice but it works kind of well as a new character believe it or not because you've got something you can focus on while he learns the rest of the magic if that makes sense
3: oh it totally does
1: i totally get it sure and so that worked well, and, and that, and I just, I, I like the, you know, just imagine, you know, Cthulhu is going to come back. He's going to ask for something. Even that angel you've been working with, he's going to come back and ask for something.
3: Man, you and I need to get in a game together. Not, not necessarily like it's a DM player thing. I just want somebody else to DM something for you and me because, man, I think our, our, uh, our viewpoints when it comes to working in, again. The dub, the weird with the capital W, you know, the, the Lovecraftian Eldritch stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh man,
1: I would love that. So yeah, uh, people who are on the uh, listening on the radio. <laughs> send us an email.
3: I want to mention one other class because it just I just remembered okay. this. If, if you don't mind, please, uh, please. I've always been the kind of guy that likes like the offball, oddball stuff, right? I you know the Dread Necromancer was its own class, whatever. There was a book of of magic. It might have even been called the Tome of Magic. And it had three new magic classes in it. And one of them was the true namer. That, I think, is my favorite class I've ever played. It's a style of magic in which your character knows the true names of various things amongst the world. It's own spell list based on needing to know the true name, the real name of something. and. I love that idea so much,
1: and that, it ties it. It ties into, you know, not only Alistair Crowley but mm-hmm. traditional folk magic.
3: Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I remember when I created that character uh, for the first time. I asked the DMs like, "Do I have to spend all my money on you know weapons and starting equipment?" because i'd really like to just say i spent 10 gold on buying various books and pieces of paper and just all this other kind of stuff i remember i have like a, a page from a catalog from something just because it had words on it that my character never had heard before and he wanted to see if they were linked to anything in the real world and man i miss that guy so much his name was Majok. oh i'm oh wow Oh, yeah, I yeah. want to go back to that guy so much. Oh. <laughs> it, it, it
1: sounds like Harsh Kingdom is going to have a, a new NPC.
3: Oh, that's a good idea. I mean, I was already working on an astrologer class. Maybe I can come up with some sort of a, a true namer kind of thing.
1: Okay, so this is this is going to be the this is going to be kind of the trickiest question. Okay. Okay. We all know that in D and D, gnomes are the makers of gadgets. What is your favorite gnomish contract- contraction or
3: contraction? Oh my god! I have no idea. Oh my! I don't know if I can even answer that.
1: Uh, okay, oh, that I like wow. said that, I knew that was the hardest question in there.
3: Oh boy! Wow. Um. Oh, uh, <laughs> I got nothing, man. Um, oh, okay. So do you, I'll you, you have t- something? <laughs> so I'll tell you one. So
1: I had a, a party, and they went out. To, they were going out to hunt this dragon, uh-huh. and it turns out it wasn't a dragon. It was this mechanical beast made by a bunch of gnomes, and they would cast like fl- fire spells. And
3: oh, I love that.
1: Okay, so let's let's throw that one out. Sorry, no, no, no. There's no wrong answers in this. (laughs) Okay, so I'm got, I've got, I'm saving the last question for last. So, here, what is your, what is your favorite, um, harsh kingdom aside? What is your favorite D and D setting?
3: I love Dragonlance. Uh, Dragonlance was my first experience with a world-specific setting for D&D. The person who taught me how to play Dungeons & Dragons also uh, was the person that introduced me to Dragonlance in high school. Uh, I was taking a class called Epic Fantasy and Science Fiction, which was really cool, and he gave out a sheet of approved reading material. We had to read some... Book from this list, and it was a handful of like the belgaria by David Eddings and the Dragonbone Chair, and, and lot 3000. The graphic novel was on there, but the Dragonlance Chronicles were on that list as well. And I decided to go ahead and give that a read, and I was sucked in and blown away. And I've been a Dragonlance fan ever since, and I'm so glad that the lawsuit that Weiss and Hickman were bringing uh, to Wizards got resolved so that we can actually see the new Dragonlance novels they're working on. And the rumor is there's a Dragonlance source book in the works, so I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm I'm sure.
1: I'm sure there is. So this is where I show myself as a complete heathen. Okay. For 3.5, I love modern. D twenty modern was this amazing setting, and they had a whole bunch of different versions. They had a psychic one. Uh, they had basically where you hunt monsters like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but yeah, I really really enjoy. I like them all, but I enjoyed uh, D twenty modern from three point five. And the thing was the starting classes on those were all on attributes so you had smart hero which was intelligent and then you know your strong hero which was strength and then when you got up to fourth level you could take something like mage or you know shadow hunter or daredevil but I loved the uh, in fact I I have every D20 modern book ever printed
3: D20 was a great setting Uh, I think merging the D20 fantasy rules of wizards Was known for with a modern setting was, I mean, a no brainer. It was great. Plus, if you wanted to, you could start mixing and matching. You want your modern day heroes to go fight a mind flayer? The stats are already there. Yep. So, yeah, (laughs) to go back to Lovecraft stuff again. Not that my you know you know tentacles and brainy stuff. You know. (laughs) Well, well, they
1: they they did make. uh, I mean, we all think of uh, Call Cthulhu, you know, of Chaosium, but they
3: did make a D twenty. Yeah call cthulhu i loved that it was written by monty cook uh yes, who is legendary game designer you know and I, I had that book and i loved it uh there was even an appendix in the back that taught you how to turn call of cthulhu spells into dungeons and Dragons spells and boy did my dm hate that <laughs> I bet.
1: okay so ready for the fifth question yeah hit me so this is a question actually we're asking it's not D specific but we're asking everybody this in February. if you could have one fantasy creature from d and d or any other fantasy to be real in this world, what would it be?
3: Oh boy my favorite d and d and fantasy monsters and creatures are are all bad. <laughs> so I you know my favorite my favorite monster from D&D is the Githyanki and I would not want them running around in real life um dragons could be really bad too I mean ooh um boy uh You know what? I take it back. I think dragons would be cool. I think if if it was a good dragon, <laughs> it'd be really cool. So yeah. Metallic dragons. There you go. There Metallic you go. Metallic dragons. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think that's where you know. I mean, I could I could you know, chince out and say something like unicorns cuz they're not you know going to kill you, but I think dragons would be fun. So why
1: not? So so I remember walking in a parking lot when I, when I got into to Portland a while back, and I looked up and there were three uh, right by the river. There were three giant osprey flying over me, and this mm. thought of awe. But yeah, what if they were three golden dragons? I mean, the offbacker would just be up by ten. Yeah, yeah. So, so personally, for me. I wish it was like house spirits or brownies or, you know, good little, you know, spirit elves. Where I would love if I just left out some cottage cheese and said, you're great guys and we love you. They'd go and milk my uh, goats for me.
3: Hey, there you go. Okay, yeah, 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 there you go. Leave out something for the brownies. and Hey, uh, uh, would you mind cleaning my house up a little bit and doing the dishes and stuff? Because you guys are awesome. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I'll
1: make brownies for the brownies And <laughs> they'll mow my lawn There you go well, there you That's go. it That is the initial launch of the Classic 5 D&D Thank you very
3: much I love that That was so much fun man Well,
1: we So real quickly uh, Let's hear where uh, we can listen to you weekly But also where we can get more um, information on your, uh, on your harsh kingdom
3: Okay So I mentioned it a couple times, monsterkidradio.net is the weekly podcast. If you want classic monsters, modern talk, that's where you're going to want to go. If you want to talk about gaming, if you want fantasy, if you want D&D whatever dice monster is your hub your main site and that's going to give you links to our youtube channel where we have the dice monster dice youtube series where every other week i typically put out a short gaming video myself and then once every two or three weeks we put out an episode of the untitled generation x nerd show where myself and mike marisitz talk about fantasy D stuff from the point of view of a member of generation X uh, since that's who we are um, that's that's been a lot of fun uh, doing that with him uh, and then the harsh kingdom obviously dice monster dice will get you there but we've got the Kickstarter campaign right now uh, just look up dice monster dice on Kickstarter harsh kingdom on Kickstarter or you can go to tinyurl.com slash harsh kick. Now remember, I spell harsh with a C in there. So it's H-A-R-S-C-H-K-I-C-K. And that'll take you to the Kickstarter campaign page for the Harsh Kingdom. And special announcement time. I fired up my computer after my Sunday morning gaming session. And boom, we hit our goal already. We are exactly at our goal as of right now. We still have, as of the day this recording goes out, I think, what, maybe eight days left. And... There will be some stretch goals announced, so there's still time for you to get in on getting a PDF or a print edition of the supplement that will be coming out later this year.
1: Well, excellent. And we are out of time here, but hopefully you will be the first person that appeared on this show three times.
3: (laughs) There you go. I'd, I'd love to do that. All right.
1: Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Dave.
2: The Necrocastican, where we blend horror and metal for your pleasure, and ours, with special guests from horror and metal, with hosts Smoke and Walt Ball, ah! Thomas R.
0: Clarke, yeah, that was
3: sounded like Paul trying to get laid, Mr. Scott Reacts,
0: Sergeant Fury Dan Roberts, and Uncle Skip Novak, dream, dream. and where can you find the Necrocastican, Sergeant Fury?
1: Where you get your fine-ass podcasts?
0: Mondays
2: on Project Entertainment Network, D and on my Mountain Dew.
0: All right, everyone, the break is broken. It's D and D on D and D with D and i I'm one of the D's. I'm DB, and over here is Farmer Dave, the other D. I
1: am the second D in the D and D. In case. Um... You're trying to track them. Mm-hmm. So I'm the D associated with dra- uh, dragons, and you're the D associated with dungeons.
0: Okay, that works for me. Yeah. That works for me. All right, so for Valentine's Day, which was a couple days ago, uh, I was thinking about... Uh, what what could we do for Valentine's Day? We could we could talk about goddesses of love. Or we could talk about hearts. Or and I was like, well, let's let's talk about some uh, Boyer Fletcher. Let's let's talk about uh, some uh, ballistas. Let's let's talk about uh, some stringed little pieces of sticks being shot at a high velocity uh, and punching armor. What do you know about bows and arrows, Dave?
1: So, um they were historically really were this uh, game-changing military weapon. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. we talk, and and there were longbowmen before Agincourt. Yeah. But when the English started using these professional trained longbowmen, they just became this incredible force. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, they did the, in France and the continent, they were much more with uh, crossbows and when they did the demonstrated the first crossbow Mm -hmm. one of the popes uh, and you know he he, he was watching him shoot through armor Mm -hmm. you know shooting through through, uh, some sort of mail plate mail or something you know he said truly this weapon is so destructive it will end all wars
0: (laughs) that's a really nice thought that's a really nice thought yeah
1: So, so the truth is, I kind of think D missed the boat with archers. Yeah. I, I especially Five E. Yeah. I mean I mean, there's there's a couple of you know, you, there's still Arcane Archer. Yeah. Uh and I think that if you take a a warrior you can pick some of these archer, you know, abilities and they've still got Archery feats, mm-hmm. but in 5e it's not like you know three point five feet are kind of rare. Yeah, you know, if you're not doing the alternate human class, uh, you know, you've got to be ninth level to get three feet. And, and it used to be, you know, there were all these feats, you know, point blank shot, yeah. precise shot. You know, there was just sort of a flow chart you followed it through. Mm-hmm. And you know, as long as you had a, a, a decent um, you know dexterity. You know you had an archer. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't really see that in E. Hmm. You know, well I would say one of my favorite characters was a, a ever was a bard. Mm-hmm. His name was Emerson of Pulver Lake.
0: Okay. Gotcha.
1: And, and so I, you know, first level, you know, I I, I, I got, it was a human back then. It was three point five. Got two feet. And, and so um, I started out with okay, his weapon was going to be a staff. And you know, I got two-handed fighter so it just—I didn't even use it. And I, I talked to my DM and I said, "Hey, you know, can I trade these two feats in? I didn't use them. Can I trade them in for for you know archery feats because I think I'd be better supportive." Yeah. And um, he, he was cool. He let me do it. And, and that was it. I just and you know, when I got like tenth or eleventh level, I pretty much did everything I wanted as a bard.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, he let me actually take, uh, even though it was a human, he let me take arcane archer.
2: Oh, cool!
1: And you know, and, and they still have a, an arcane archer subclass. But the subclasses, they're not like like having the prestige class. Or, mm-hmm. You know, so you know, and I and I loved it. He would like, you know, he would just. I, in fact, I got he would, he could shoot three arrows at a time that's so cool I went, I went to my gaming store in california where i lived at the time and i bought three fist size 20s so i could see you know those are my archery nice dice. very nice and so yeah no um, i've always yeah i think that the, the D is kind of missing on on archers what, what do you think
0: i think two things specifically um one, I, uh, I wish Dungeons and Dragons was a bit more crunchy, meaty when it came to archery. Like, as, as, as much effort is put into magic, I mean, you should put that kind of stuff into other stuff too, like, uh, equian uh based uh combat i mean there's so many maneuvers that you could do with different sized horses and different styles of weapons and different styles of like uh i don't know uh missile weapons uh not just like you know bladed weapons on horses but also like there's there's various uh cultures that had um equian based uh archery that just devastated people like oh, um,
1: Huns, Huns and the Mongols
0: Huns and the Mongols, I mean they didn't cut a huge swath across Eurasia by, you know, walking around giving people high fives but <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to play a Hun or a Mongol um, and or or have uh, bad guys who are able to, like, like, have like, I don't know, what if a bunch of hobgoblins uh, were, like trained in, or or even humans, or elves, or anyone. I mean, don't want to just always be like, oh, uh, non-humanoid bad guys. But yeah. No, say you have a culture that is trained in equian combat. To a degree that it's like, yeah, you can't take those feats unless you're born into this group of people because that means that you wouldn't have any other feats other than these three, four, five things. You know, it's just... I don't know. I I, I guess it's kind of like uh, old school uh, cross-class type stuff or old school uh, character classes or prestige classes, I guess what I was thinking of, but... I don't know. I, I always wished, like, uh... And maybe back in the day, maybe back in, like, uh, 2.5, 3.5, you had, like, the options to, like, really make this, like, uh, I don't know, uh, horse-bound archer that, you know, uh, is more complicated to put together than your uh, sophomore semester at a community college. But, you know, with all the paperwork and all the prereqs and everything like that, it always... uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know this is D and D, but do you know what game has a character option like that? What's that? That is actually really good. Hmm. Is Modiphius' Conan game? Oh! And there's one of them. It's one of the tribes that Robert E. Howard made. Mm-hmm. And there's a game, and and the problem is that the the rules for it are like all over, like the main book and different supplements. Yeah. But there's a bow that this tribe makes. That there's no penalty for shooting from a horse, Ooh. and then they can take, uh, and then all of their equivalents of feats—I think they call them
2: talents—are
1: uh-huh. based off the skills. So okay, it's animal handling talent, like born in the saddle, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and then you know your projectile weapon. There's a you know different ones, so that's actually that is you know exactly. Um, and and again, Robert E. Howard mentioned these this race and tribe in his, uh, uh, you know, his history of Hyboria. Mm-hmm. But so that is exactly what you're talking. Now you got to move up levels to get that good, but yeah. you know that's with any game. Yeah. It's not levels, but experience.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about bows a little bit. We've talked about long bows a little bit. We've talked about archery. Uh, one of my favorite things to uh, shoot at people and I'm glad that Cupid doesn't use is uh, the ballista. Do you have any feelings on ballistas, Dave?
1: So, Have you ever seen the Dead Gentlemen's The Original Gamers?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So I the, backstab him the, with the ballista? Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, they're going to backstab this guy with a ballista and they end up having to pull, peel parts of him off the bar. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
2: Um,
1: so yeah, that's kind of my that's kind of my experience. Although I'll tell you, where I think ballistas are really cool. Sure. If you're going to do a naval campaign.
0: Yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I believe that ballistas are uh, very important for a uh, nautical themed campaign, uh, sea bound, or or even if like uh, I, I I like like if you have like flying creatures using ballistas is awesome. <laughs> But then you have to figure out uh, flying rules for D&D, which have never been fun. <laughs>
1: well, you know, I know we're saving for next month is the gnomish contraption. Yes. But, you know, the gnomes can make like an armored car and mm-hmm. put horses in. A, oh, yeah. You know, barding and, you know, put you know ballistas on the top of uh, like a, a metal plated wagon or mm-hmm. a metal plated carriage.
0: Yeah yeah that would be pretty cool that'd be pretty cool or just like i don't know i remember like mounting ballistas onto constructs (laughs) like just like oh this oh yeah no this is just our giant construct our team rides around on and oh no no this is just a a blista in the front and blista in the rear I, I, I'm pretty sure we were high level that we someone didn't just go, well, here's, here's a ballista. <laughs> yeah. And I think we actually had people who had uh, proficiency in siege building or took the classes or whatever it was. But yeah, because I remember our DM at the time would not let us get away with anything unless we like pretty much... Like wrote everything out, showed everything, showed our proof, showed our, showed all of our work, and got a letter of recommendation from I don't know, but yeah, no, no, I was like, okay, well, all right, let me see. Uh, according to these four books, and uh, according to this diagram and this letter of recommendation from Gary Gygax, okay, yeah, no, you can fire this while using that spell. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, it's something, though, you're sort of, you know, we're talking about Cupid, and, Uh you know, something I was thinking there, you know, so, what if people attacking you, what if they soak their arrows in love potions?
0: Ooh, or... Or,
1: or not even, not even, um, love potions. Let's say they, they, a polymorph potion? Uh Uh-huh. You know, or... Or even you know a potion uh, turns you into a fog, you know for like a, a minute or two or mm-hmm,
0: something. Mm-hmm. Well, you could probably get one of those uh, kind of like it's like a blunting arrow, you know. It's like a blunt tip arrow that you f- use for like knocking a game out. Uh, it doesn't yeah. pierce them; it just like stuns them or kills them <laughs> without going through them. Uh, if if you could probably uh, find some sort of glass blower that would be willing to uh, blow you a uh, blow blow you a glass uh, bulb to function as an arrowhead but from personal experience uh, putting something like a bottle on the end again I had a dungeon master in high school who would say things like show me how you're going to open this lock it's like I'm not a lock smith uh, my no 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 stand show me how you're going to do this and like okay fine oh great there's going to be a trap there or would like be like I you can't fire a bow from that far away and I'm like yeah we can let's go out in the backyard and do it and then we would like show things like this is how far I'm going to do it and it'd be like we'd spend half an hour trying to like argue about archery stuff and at one point in time someone said what could I put a potion on the end of a bow and arrow or on the end of a, a arrow and then fire that at the person who I want to heal and our dm said no that wouldn't work it's not aerodynamic and i'm like it's only 12 feet and um come on it's like no no it wouldn't it it would just hit the ground and it's like we figured out how heavy the glass would be and we figured it out and then we got out the bow and arrow set and then we fired it and it moved in the air so slowly but it made the distance and i was like yeah and then he killed us all because oh. <laughs> he was he wrong go
1: outside yeah nerd didn't like it
0: yeah yeah no no and it reminded me a bit of uh, playing. i mean like my dnd sessions from high school remind me a bit of playing with minion and darcy so that's one reason i'm not always there <laughs>
1: So, so, my favorite, though, experience with a... Uh, it was a crossbow. Uh-huh. And it was a game I was playing, and I had... um, uh, I was a, a cl- cleric of, like, a, a wandering or traveling god. Yeah. And so we had this one dwarf that was our... He was our big, big fighter, right? Yeah. And, and so everyone else was support. The, uh, rogue or a cleric or something. But he was our big fighter. And we were going up against goblins or hobgoblins or something and and we would all were basically we were doing okay we were basically not dying and he was like taking one out of turn Mm -hmm. so the hobgoblin sham so he gets ahead of us and the and the goblin shaman or whoever puts a sleep spell on him whoa and it knocks him out And, and then we start getting and we're beginning to lose the battle and begin to push back and gm goes okay what do you do dave I shoot the dwarf. And I go, what? Yeah, he's asleep. I'm gonna wake him up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna shoot him. I'm gonna aim shot for his leg. And the guy was a dwarf was like, oh yeah, you know, he loved it. Yeah. I think I did like three points of damage to him, but it mm-hmm. yeah, woke the dwarf up.
0: Oh man, I feel like if I would have done that I'd be like, I'm gonna shoot the elf. Uh <laughs> <laughs> With my broad sheaf arrows and like, oh man, you just killed your mage. Oh, that's right. He only had four hit points and these things deal... Or whatever well, I, it was. It was
1: kind of meta because I knew he had like twenty seven. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I knew he was had <laughs> tons because because they couldn't hurt him. They weren't getting through his armor. It was the only. They, they just knocked him out with a sleep spell. Oh wow, so I, yeah. Kind of just but yeah. That that is the crowning moment of me of my playing awesomeness. I shoot the door.
0: And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And you know what? I'm gonna say that's probably a good point to end on. Point. point arrow. I oh.
2: get your point. <laughs>
0: All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining us for D&D on D&D. Just remember, March, I think, probably March 15th, Ides of March, we are looking for gnomish contraptions. So if you're listening to this part of the show and you're like, hey, I got a great gnomish contraption, we'll also throw it up on uh, 1130 AM, KZOM, Oleander, Oregon, our Facebook page. Just look for Oleander, Oregon. We're the only... uh, so far, I don't see any other shops really being that into Facebook. Like, a one, no. I even figured the gun rack would have a Facebook page. Uh, they,
1: yeah, they, 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 they got yanked.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, that. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: It there, there was a little, little too much skin on the post, and they got yanked. Uh,
0: well, you know, there's always Instagram. Hey, everyone. All think- their
1: gun ranting was okay, but a little too much <laughs> skin, and they got yanked
0: yeah yeah it's 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 funny what facebook is okay with speaking of okay i hope you're all okay out there listening to us everyone and just a reminder rate review subscribe i know every podcast says that but if you rate if you review if you subscribe if you tell our friends about us we will be around longer than not and also we don't want to die and our 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 uh our listenership has been lifting up lately, which has been really great. I I, I, I always uh, say it's because of Derek and other people that listen tell their friends about us, and they listen. And, you know, we, we've been getting people listening. But what really helps is if you give us a review. Anyway, thank you, everyone listening. I hope you're warm. I hope you're safe. I hope you're not pouring Mountain Dew onto goat fluff, Dave. No comment. All right. And on that note... We'll see you next week, hopefully without any more green goats or goblins or anything like that. Hopefully next week it's going to be a perfectly sane normal week in Oleander, Oregon. Perfectly normal for Oleander. Alright. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time. Dave, you got anything to say before we take off? I hope you are well. Oh, and check out Dave's t-shirt, pgttcm.com I am well. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.
2: I put my Mountain Dew.